The Creative Psychotherapist is the official podcast of the Creative Clinician's Corner, a practice-building resource for creative psychotherapists. TCP Podcast is the cast for creative, expressive, and experiential-focused psychotherapists curious to learn how to design, build, and scale a thriving private practice. Your host, Raina Lombardi, interviews successful therapists about the tools and strategies they have used to develop creative-focused practices. They also talk about the products, services, and side hustles they have developed, using their knowledge and creativity to enhance their therapy practices, make a greater impact in their communities, and diversify their income streams. Welcome. Now here's your host, Raina Lombardi. Thanks for listening to the Creative Psychotherapist Podcast. I'm your host, Raina Lombardi, and I'm very, very excited to welcome my next guest. Her name is Michael Spencer, and she is the owner of Michael Spencer Bookkeeping, a virtual bookkeeping business serving counselors, therapists, and helping professionals in private practice. With a first career in auditing and accounting and a second career as a licensed professional counselor and coach, Michael brings a unique skill set to her bookkeeping services. She connects with her clients with warmth, compassion, and deep listening. She keeps their books accurate and up-to-date every month and helps them make sense of their financial information. So welcome, Michael. Thank you so Thank much for you. being here. Yeah, it's really my pleasure, Raina. Thank you so much. Uh, I'm I'm excited to have you and um and to talk about your experience. Um so obviously in the bio it talks about how you started off doing bookkeeping and then trans, or maybe it wasn't bookkeeping, but it was accounting related work. And then you transitioned Mm -hmm. to, um, therapy. How long were you involved in, uh, the accounting profession? I would say probably about seven or eight years total. Mm -hmm. And so, so I, started off my first career was auditing and accounting and i actually didn't do a whole lot of small business bookkeeping i did a little bit and then i transitioned into doing um, nonprofit and governmental audits and so i held yeah it's a way different world of accounting Mm -hmm. and i held an active cpa license from 2001 to 2008 and right now it's on inactive status i'm in the process of getting my continuing education in order so that i can reactivate it at some point in the future and uh, you know in that work i did well in that work i enjoyed some aspects of it and then eventually i landed in a governmental auditing position And that is about as dry as it sounds. It sounds bad. (laughs) Yeah. And so I got to this point where I was just thinking, do I want to do these same internal audits for this local government for the next 20 or 25 years until I can retire? And Mm -hmm. I was like, no, no, I want to do something that is more fulfilling at a soul level. Mm -hmm. And so I went to... Uh, school for my degree in mental health counseling and uh, followed that career path for several years and met so many amazing people in the process like Mm -hmm. yourself. And as a therapist, I 
I got trained in EMDR and I was, <clears throat> excuse me, I was working with folks who had experienced trauma and, you know, early mm -hmm. life issues. And eventually I got kind of burnout as happens sure. with us therapists from time to time. And so then I transitioned into coaching just to kind of change gears. And I was doing um, home decluttering work virtually, which I really, really love. And interestingly, that work, which I call purification, kind of comes into the bookkeeping work in some ways. Um, oh, I bet. Yeah, it's sort of helping people declutter their financial lives in their businesses. And so during last year, during 2020, um, you know, lots of uh, intensity and unusual circumstances were going on. And so I decided to start doing some bookkeeping to supplement my income. Mm -hmm. And the business has just taken off just sort of on its own accord. And so I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to follow this. My um, decluttering and coaching business just was a little flat and mm -hmm. like, well, this is working. I have these skills. I am absolutely loving it. It's, it's energizing. Mm -hmm. It's exciting. And working with people and their small businesses you know, and particularly yeah. the therapists and counselors who I'm working with so far, uh, it's so, I just feel so lucky to get to mm. use these bookkeeping skills and accounting skills and my people skills mm -hmm. with, you know, these heart-centered, very soulful practitioners who are making such a difference in the world. It's so inspiring to be able to be um, part of their support team. I love that. I, I feel like it's, um, one of the things that a lot of therapists come up against, um, when they're going out into practice is the numbers that it mm -hmm. really raises a lot of fear and anxiety and, um, confusion, obviously, uh, you know, most of us, if we've gone into therapy, don't have a background in, in numbers or a different degree in numbers. Although there do seem to be a number of CPAs who transitioned into therapy I'm learning, which is really interesting. Um, but by and large, I think most of us don't have yeah. that background. And so being able to help mm -hmm. therapists, um, befriend their numbers, befriend their books, to feel more comfortable to look at it all, mm -hmm. you know, because when it's something that raises up our anxious vibe, it's natural to want to avoid looking at it and not looking at our bank balance and not really keeping mm -hmm. accurate tabulations as to where we're spending and, um, what income is coming in and all of that. So I'm sure right. it, it, it's really helpful. Yeah. And, you know, kind of connected with what you were saying, it's also something that unless a kind of a crisis, a financial crisis comes up, it is something that can really be effectively avoided all year long, um, you know, totally. and that's a dangerous thing, right? Because then you know, if it's out of sight, out of mind, I don't look at my bank statements. I don't, I don't know what a profit and loss statement is. So I certainly don't look at that. I don't prepare one. Um, you know, there can be all sorts of things that are 
for the, this is the very technical term, getting out of whack, you know, mm -hmm. that, that you're not even aware of. And then, you know, maybe you throw together the numbers to give to your tax accountant and then you move on from there. And it's, if we're not looking at our numbers and we aren't connected with them, we're really missing huge pieces of information about our business. And so in my opinion, there's no way that a business can truly be healthy and sustainable if we're not very intimate with those numbers. Mm, it's so true. So true. Um, yeah. You don't know. There's no way of um, assessing it. And right. Right. And that's one piece, you know, there you can look at other data and other facets and those numbers are a really important piece of the puzzle. Yeah. Well, they kind of make or break whether or not you're able to continue to be a business. Right. And if you want to expand, you know, do you have, what will it look like if you add an employee and then you need to have an additional space that you're renting or you want to buy a building or, mm -hmm. you know, if you've got really big um, dreams and aspirations and you don't, it's, it's like the numbers piece is part of that foundation. Mm -hmm. So that's got to be in place in order to really effectively build. Yeah, no, that's so true. For, for therapists that might be listening to the show and who really don't have a good understanding of accounting and bookkeeping, can you share a little bit about what bookkeeping is and how it differs from I'm giving all of my information to the accountant at the end of the year. Yeah, absolutely. And first, I just want to say for the therapists out there who are listening, who are like, oh gosh, I'm one of those people who put it off all year long and I don't know what I'm doing. Number one, you're not alone. No. <laughs> you know, that lots and lots of people are in your position. And number two, it's okay. Mm. You know, you can, you can get a handle on this stuff. You can find a way to change your relationship with your numbers. So I just like to, cause I know I come out of the gate kind of strong. Like you have to figure this number stuff out. Like you can't move forward if you don't. And it's not a, a space of negative judgment. Like, of course you don't know this stuff. You're trained as a therapist. Why would you? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And as a business owner, it's a great place to develop another aspect of yourself. Right. We spend so much time like investing in our continuing education to bolster our therapeutic skills. But once we move into becoming practice owners, it's important that we have kind of a continuing education budget, if you will, to go towards learning these administrative skills that we haven't mm -hmm. been adequately prepared um, on. We didn't learn those things in grad school. So, right. Yeah. There's, there's no course in running a private practice. No, there wasn't so. where I went. No. <laughs> nope. Not where I went either. Yeah. So, all right. So some basics. So bookkeeping itself in a, a very broad definition is just keeping the records of your financial transactions and financial matters in your business. Mm -hmm. So lots of things are happening 
you might be writing checks or you might have ACH deposits coming into your bank account or you might be making credit card transactions. And so the bookkeeping, one aspect of it is capturing those transactions and then making sure that they are categorized in some sort of bookkeeping system so, and it could be a spreadsheet, it could be QuickBooks, it could be, you know, another bookkeeping software. Um, so that if you spent money on your professional liability insurance, that $1,000 or whatever it is, is showing up in a line item in your financial statement that says insurance, or it might say liability insurance. Mm -hmm. And when you make a purchase for um, supplies for your therapy office, there's a line item that says therapy supplies and you know generally what you post to that. And so, and then it's also making sure all of the incoming money is um, tracked and taken care of. And so for some folks, you may have a practice management system that takes care mm -hmm. of some of that, takes care of some of the health insurance and um, the stripe, you know, if you've got simple practice or something like that. Mm -hmm. And you still, that alone is not bookkeeping. And I actually, I have to interrupt. I love simple mm -hmm. practice, mm -hmm. but I do not find their reports for my numbers helpful to me at all. I find them very confusing and I often question their accuracy um, because it also really depends upon if it was reconciled appropriately, right? Because you have to be on top of reconciling. Like if somebody paid you with a check, did you go in and put that in there and, and make sure that that was credited to the account? But that's usually not a big deal, but it's the insurance mm -hmm. reconciliation. Like if they don't have, if you don't have it set up to where the insurance automatically gets reconciled in the simple practice software, and you're doing it manually, which that's what I've been doing. Like it's, mm -mm, I don't find right. it helpful because it's not accurate. It ends up being right. not accurate. Right. And so what I do for my clients, so the, the therapists that I'm working with right now who have simple practice, I work with what has actually come into the bank. So what insurance payments have, you know, whether it was by check or by, um, like electronic transfer, I go, okay, this is what's come into the bank. And then I may trace that back to simple practice, but I don't go, I don't, not in that role of the billing person. Mm -hmm. um, and so that is, it's a whole other thing. And so we're starting to look at some of the complexities of bookkeeping for a private practice. And then if you have a group practice where you have more than one therapist who's working in simple practice, the sheer volume of transactions in there is, can be mind blowing. Absolutely. So, so what I do is help make sure that the transactions that the health insurance companies are saying, yep, we transferred that over to the bank. I make sure they actually hit the bank. I'm making sure that they're categorized properly in the right income line item. And that then the bank account reconciles back to the books or vice versa, however you want to say that. Yes. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's a lot, mm -hmm. you know? It is, it, it, it is. And that that's, I, I go by the bank for everything, mm -hmm. right? Because that's the accurate income out 
you know, incoming outgoing transactions versus whatever happened in the EHR or something. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, you want to make sure that, so, so what happens in the bank, you're right, is what actually happened. The issue is if you were supposed to get a payment for $500 and and it never, and it never came. So Mm -hmm. that's why you want to be doing that comparison between what's happening in the bank and what's happening in simple practice or outsourcing that and having someone do that for you. Absolutely. I do it twice a month. Beautiful. Yeah. I think that's a great interval. And again, I don't work a lot directly. Well, I don't work at all directly with the insurance companies, but does that interval tend to help you if you need to follow up, does that, cause you know, you don't want to be oh following gosh. up, but you don't want to do it twice a year. And it's like, oh, it's June now. And there was a transaction from January. You know, if you're doing it twice a month then you've got the opportunity while it's still fresh. Absolutely. That most insurance companies have a, they, they, it's set up for them to win a hundred percent of the time. Sure. And it's set up for us to lose the majority of the time. So they have an unending window of which to say, oh, that was billed incorrectly. We're going to come back and claw back that money. Um, It could be two years from now, even though they paid you, they might say, oh, that was incorrect. And they come and they take back that money out of your account. Mm -hmm. But as the, as the provider, if, if they say deny a claim, and you don't catch it and you don't rebill within their, you know, parenthesis or like window of time. It's usually, I think like six months, you have six months, mm-hmm. um, you're, you're SOL, um, yeah. basically, uh, to use that, <laughs> that yeah. term phrase, but you're, you're, you've lost your opportunity. So yes, it, if you are not on top of, reconciling all of those things, you could miss out opportunities, um, to be paid or, um, you know, sometimes the insurance company will say, well, we're only going to pay part of what you billed for. And it's almost like it's arbitrary. You're like, this is not accurate. Like your reason for the denial of the full payment for this claim is not accurate, but it's almost like they want you to have to go through the process of submitting a corrected claim and uh, like going through all of that in order to fight to get that extra $25 or whatever it is that they owe you. But if you don't catch it in time, then you, your, your time limit has run out. And so you're at a loss. Right. Right. And so this is another reason why it's so important to stay on top of this stuff, whether it's the billing or the bookkeeping, uh, because, you know, there may be other aspects of your business, whether it's making sure that you're paying all of your bills on time or making sure if there are other people who owe you money in your business. Yeah. Making sure that you're, you know, making that phone call, sending that email as a reminder of payment, or, you know, you may have clients that have gotten behind on co-pays you know, going, okay, we've got to work this out in some way so that, you know, you're getting taken care of. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. It's so super important. And you asked earlier about what's the difference between the bookkeeping kind of throughout the year and preparing things for uh, taxes. Mm -hmm. And so the, through the year, you know, this kind of ongoing bookkeeping, the purpose of that is, 
on one hand, and this is like kind of the very base purpose and, and most people are like, yes. Like some people are like, I don't even have that in place. So yes, I wanna make sure that I'm ready for taxes. Mm -hmm. And so when you're doing your bookkeeping throughout the year and you're not just like, oh, it's January now, I have until April to get my stuff together. Um, when you're doing that on a regular basis, it makes preparing for taxes so easy. Cause you yeah. just go in, you could, you could go in, in the next week or so into your bookkeeping software and do a profit and loss statement and feel fairly confident that like, yeah, I think things are pretty up to date here and accurate. And then you've got something without, because you've spread a little bit of effort and tending mm. to your books throughout the whole year. Now you're ready for tax time. Here you go. Yeah. I, um, I have not been successful in like all of my itemizations and categorizations mm -hmm. throughout the year. I tried sure. some years ago using a platform, a software platform, and I just ended up in tears and frustration so many times it integrated with your bank account and, uh, and then it would automatically mm -hmm. categorize things incorrectly. And then you have to go in and fix them. Or sometimes it was like, I don't even know how they're getting this number. They're double, they were doubling like mm -hmm. income that came in. And there were so many mistakes with the software platform itself that I paid for, which is a very popular product that many, many people use. And I was like, this is not mm -hmm. for me. I'm going back to the old Excel spreadsheet. I'll save money because I won't yep. be paying for that. And, um, yeah. and I have everything categorized and it's easy, but I just, I stack all my receipts and then I sort all my receipts according to categories. And then I just enter them in and I can get it all done in a day. And it's, yes. it's not, it's not bad. I'm keeping up with the, um, the profit loss stuff. I'm keeping up with that every mm -hmm. two weeks. I'm, I'm making sure that all of that stuff is matching up and I'm yes. you know, tracking all that, but I'm not doing the categorization, um, Got it. but I'm going to try that in 2021 to see if I can eliminate the like end of the year thing. But I mean, I'm ready. I'm basically ready to turn everything into my yeah. accountant. I'm just waiting on my husband to finish up his, um, cause Beautiful. he has a small business too. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and so I just want to, I want to pause and say kudos to you, you know, recognizing what's working, recognizing what wasn't working mm -hmm. and sticking to a system that's effective because yeah, I, so I will just say very plainly, I use QuickBooks in my business. I keep my own books with QuickBooks and that's how I do my clients' books. QuickBooks has, I feel like this reputation of like, oh, it's so easy. You just do your own books and blah, 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 blah. It is such a nuanced Rather, it's it's robust software, mm -hmm. and and it's. I thank the accounting gods every day that I have a background in accounting and double entry bookkeeping because, if you don't understand that, and then on top of it, the artificial intelligence that is, very fallible, mm -hmm. like it's it's a it can be a hot mess. Very just what you were describing. Mm -hmm. This happens to people all the time. 
um, yep. where it's like, oh yeah, just put it in QuickBooks. It's so, it's so, and, and it might be FreshBooks, it might be Wave, you know, it's, I'm sure QuickBooks isn't the only one. Um, it's a very effective piece of software if you know what you're doing with it. Mm -hmm. And it can be a nightmare if you don't. It is not, it yeah. is just not a point and shoot thing that it's like, oh yeah, you just, like I'm a, a, a QuickBooks certified pro advisor and I can still get turned around in it. And so mm -hmm. with people who don't have any background in it. So I was just meeting with a potential client the other day and she was trying to figure out like, do I want to go the Excel spreadsheet route? Do I mm -hmm. want to continue keeping my books that way? Or is it time for something like QuickBooks? And I was like, do you get excited about the idea of like using this new platform that is, is kind of high tech and you know, it could be this, you know, really exciting new thing to learn. And she was like, I think I have an account and I can't even log in. So I'm going to say no, like, I don't want to do that, you know, like yeah. that. Um, so if it's not something that you're like, yes, I want to get like into this technical world of my numbers, you can do what you need to do with an Excel spreadsheet. I think where it starts to get hairy is when you have more and more transactions because you're growing. Oh yeah, and, definitely. You know, so, you know, and that becomes the, that turning point of, do I want to take this on, on my own? And there are ways to learn QuickBooks for sure. And, or is it time to partner with an outside yeah. bookkeeper, you know, just somebody I, who this is what they do. I, I think that probably would have been really helpful for me to do at that time, but I was fresh in my business and, yep. um, so that, and obviously like this is some years ago, so mm -hmm. software's different, it changes. Um, and I did do like trainings and I called for support and, and I was like, this is ridiculous. I'm spending like five hours every week trying right. to like figure this out. And every time I sit down, I end up in tears and now I'm avoiding my numbers, not because I don't want to look at my mm -hmm. numbers, but because I just feel so incompetent dealing with this particular piece of technology. And that's when I was like, no, nope, there's an old fashioned system and I can do that. I know mm -hmm. I can do that. And, um, and so I feel like it's important for everybody to find the systems that work for them yes. that, that don't build up the resistance, right. That make it yes. easy and comfortable. Absolutely. I totally agree with you. And again, like if we're moving into a more high tech system, there's going to be a learning curve, but mm -hmm. you have to know yourself well enough. And like you hit this wall that it's like, this is not worth it. I don't feel like I'm gaining on mm -hmm. this learning curve. I feel like I'm running into a brick wall every time. And, and you're right when it starts to wear away at your sense of confidence and, and your abilities, when there is an existing system that was going to cost less money and take less time. Oh yeah. I was like, yeah, yes, this is so much easier. I'm, right. And yeah, so that's what I ended up doing and I've stuck with that and it's, 
been serving me. Yeah. Um, As long as it's providing that reliable, accurate data that you need, mm -hmm. that's perfect. Yeah. Yeah. That works. But for folks that are interested in, in using that type of program, which does give beautiful reports Mm -hmm. and you, it gives you really nice snapshots. So you get a beautiful graphic or, or, you know, picture of what's going on. Whereas the spreadsheet doesn't necessarily like, it's not as easy to get that (laughs) you could, right? but it's not as easy. Um, pairing up with someone like yourself that could provide some of that mentorship and training to get them started of here's how to use it. Here's how to set it up to do what you need it to do. Mm -hmm. Um, that would be really helpful. Right. Right. And I've actually, um, I've done a, a QuickBooks setup. I haven't done too many of those as a kind of a standalone service yet. And I did one very recently. And this was a person who's in business who was transitioning from a different accounting software into way into um, QuickBooks. And so I helped get the chart of accounts set up. I helped get those beginning balances mm-hmm. proper because this is the thing, you know, we talk a lot about, the profit and loss statement, mm-hmm. which, and this is a, a financial statement that is for a period in time. So you can do a profit and loss statement for one month, for one year, for a two-year period. Um, and it's going to show your income and your expenses, and then your, your net income or your profit or your loss, depending on where things are in your business for that time period. And so that's a really handy statement to, you know, then you can start to look at things. And this is another reason that as you get bigger, it can be nice to have um, a system like that. You can run comparative statements. So you can Mm -hmm. look at this month against last month, or you can look at um, last year and this year, last quarter and this quarter, whatever. Um, so that it's, it's handy that way when you're starting to do some analysis and starting to understand the trends mm-hmm. in your business. But that's one piece of the puzzle. There's a whole other statement called the balance sheet. Mm-hmm. And the balance sheet is where your assets, so your bank accounts and um, your, you know, if you have accounts receivable, that sort of thing, those, those assets are on there, your liabilities. So if you have a credit card, that balance is gonna be on there. If you have a loan, that's gonna be on there. And then the bottom of that statement is your equity. So this is the money that you've kind of amassed in your business over time. Mm-hmm. And those numbers, they we don't often look at them as business owners, I think as much, but that's where we really wanna make sure that those cash numbers are tying out to your bank reconciliation. And, mm-hmm. you know, cause if we're only, if we're using an accounting system, like a QuickBooks, like any of these bookkeeping systems that are what's called double entry. So every entry has to have two sides to it. Mm-hmm. So when you say, oh, I've got $300 that I'm going to put in income. So you increase your income account. The other side of that is increasing cash. And so every transaction that you make is going to hit at least two accounts. Mm-hmm. And, 
and they have to balance. Mm -hmm. So if you put, if cash goes up 300, income goes up 300, you're good to go. Um, if you make a purchase on a credit card, your credit card balance is going to go up for that $50 and usually an expense. Mm -hmm. So, oh, I got cleaning supplies for my office at Target for $50 on my credit card. Expense for cleaning supplies goes up $50. Credit card balance goes up for $50. Um, so, and again, like people, most, if you don't have an accounting background or a business, right, you, you have no reason to know this and it's boring unless you're an accountant like me, that is very exciting. Um, so those numbers impact both those transactions will impact both the income statement and the balance sheet. And so it's important to have an understanding. So each month you might be looking at your income statement, but if you're also not looking at your, at your balance sheet, it's possible that things may not be accurate. You may have mm -hmm. missed um, transactions that impact your bank account that are probably also impacting your profit and loss statement. You might, and the, the income statement and profit and loss statement are the same thing, just two different names that you can use interchangeably. So um this, there's some complexity in this that can, where these types of accounting systems can really help you keep things accurate. They can also mm. be really confusing if you're yes. not quite sure how to navigate that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was, that would be me. That was my, yeah. you know, starting point. And, and what you were talking about, like the two different accounts and like mm -hmm. somehow something would get off. And I couldn't right. ever figure how to get it back uh, on. And uh, it was, and it was and, usually and so then, like the, the incoming numbers from the bank account. Like it would be like yes, somehow the old I bank did feed. Uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. That would mess it up. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and the bank feeds are really yeah, like they're really convenient. So a bank feed for um, folks who are listening who aren't familiar with this in an accounting package, a bookkeeping package, uh, these days they're connected. You can connect them. You don't have to. They can be connected to your bank account, your credit card, so that all of those transactions will show up and then you can match them to things that you've already entered. Or you can say, oh, here's this transaction for such and such. I'll just categorize it right here on the bank feed. What happens, and if you're not familiar with how these systems work, it's super confusing. QuickBooks will just like suggest, oh, I think this is for such and such expense. And it's like, well, that's not what that was. Why does it say that? Mm -hmm. And so if you don't know that that's just QuickBooks trying to, to help you, but not having data to start being smarter about how mm -hmm. to help you. Super confusing. Yeah. Very. Incredibly confusing. <laughs> yes. Totally. So if we're thinking about developing good bookkeeping habits as a, a practice owner, what are some things that uh, folks can do to develop those kind of habits or maybe what are kind of the key things that they should be doing? Mm, I love this question. And something that I've been 
starting to do recently as I'm talking with folks is talking about those habits as rituals. Mm. And this is something that comes from my work as a purification coach and, and a decluttering coach, because just like we want to avoid the financial stuff, we often want to avoid decluttering and, mm-hmm. and anything that we want to avoid or that we don't feel confident in, it's easy to find ways to put it off and you know push it further and further away. And so when I start to with, with folks who are decluttering, when we start to frame it as purifying and we bring this different energy and lightness to it, it, it takes on a freshness and we can almost, sometimes it's very effective and sometimes it's like, I'm not quite there. We can start to get almost excited about it. Mm-hmm. And so I've been working with bringing this into my work with clients and, and people who are struggling to do their bookkeeping on their own is how can you bring your soul to this? How can you bring your energy to this? Uh, How can you create it as a ritual? Mm -hmm. And so I was just speaking with somebody the other day and I was like, you know, you could light a candle as you sit down to do this. And she's like, and burn incense. And I was like, yes. And I, and you know, you could put music on. And so you create this environment that your body, your energy says, yeah, of course, why wouldn't I want to sit down and do this? Mm -hmm. So you're, you're starting with Mm self-care. first and foremost, right? And yeah. like as therapists, um, this is what, you know, you encourage your clients to do, you encourage it for yourself. But I think sometimes there can be such a separation. It's like, oh, that's business stuff. That's not right. I don't have to associate my soul with that or my self-care with that. Like, mm-hmm. and so it's, it's making this a more integrative process. So first and foremost, if we're talking about habits or rituals, what energy are you bringing to it? Because mm-hmm. how effective is it going to be if you go, I effing hate doing this every month. I have to sit down and I don't even want to do it. How effective is that going to be, right? It's not. It's going right. to be terrible. It's right. gonna be probably going to make a lot of mistakes. It's going to be frustrating. Yes. <laughs> and so is it possible that it could feel different mm-hmm. if we bring a different approach to it? So that's, that's one piece. The next is like, okay, well, what are, so once I establish, and you might want to clean off your desk too, just saying, you know, do a little, little purifying, little organizing so that when you sit down, you are feeling more clear to start with. Mm -hmm. Um, So once you've done that, it's like, okay, well, what are these habits though? Like, what are these rituals that I need to perform on a every other week basis or monthly basis? And so first and foremost, I think it's going to be getting a system. Mm -hmm. So like we said, some people may be comfortable with a bookkeeping system that's automated. Mm -hmm. That's great. And some people may be like a spreadsheet is exactly what I need. It can be very effective for me. And like I said, as long as that is producing what you need it to produce and it's absolutely go for it. 
And my CPA is like, that's great. It's perfect. Yes. It's actually better than most people produce for me. So you're, you're a step ahead of the game. Yeah. Oh, good. That makes me feel a lot better. Cause, uh, because I, I'm not using, you know, the, the online bookkeeping yeah. system, which for a lot of them, they just have their own account and they sign into your account and they can do everything remotely. I have to like send the stuff in, but mm-hmm. it works just as good. So yes. there, there's for people that have concerns about, well, will the CPA be okay with that? We'll find one that will. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And, and communicate with them. Mm-hmm. You know, if you haven't, if you don't have a tax accountant yet, and I don't prepare taxes, and I actually think it's a good practice to, if you're going to hire a bookkeeper, mm-hmm. to have a bookkeeper and then a separate tax preparer, because then it's two different people looking at your books and mm-hmm. they're looking at them from two different perspectives. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and not to say that a great bookkeeper can't also be a great tax preparer, because I know folks who do both. Um, I personally, even if I, if I outsourced my own bookkeeping, I, I don't think I would outsource it to my tax preparer. Mm-hmm. That's just my preference. Um, Cause that way, you know, everything that's happening during the year, then you make sure you're getting a qualified tax expert to take care of it. So, um, so what are these rituals? So we got to have a system, mm-hmm. whether it's a spreadsheet uh, or a um, automated system, not that it's all automated. You still have to do a lot of work in it. And then, so it's making sure that you're categorizing those transactions. So you get your receipts and go, okay, what did I purchase? You want to have some way of reconciling. So I would recommend still keeping, even if it's a manual checkbook or um, if you have a checkbook system that's online or keeping that in an Excel spreadsheet, you still want to make sure okay, my book balance for my cash account says $125. Wow, the bank statement says, you know, $20 or $700. There's a discrepancy here. You want to be able to see what those differences are. They may just be timing differences where checks haven't cleared or, you know, deposit hasn't cleared, or there may be an error. So and in a bookkeeping system online, you're going to be doing all of that together um, with an Excel spreadsheet or something, maybe a little bit more um, separate, and then you're trying Mm -hmm. to integrate things. And again, whatever works. So, you know, reconciling your bank statement and credit card statements once a month, getting, making sure that you're capturing all of those transactions and that they're coded to the right expense accounts. And then, uh, and you would do that usually before reconciling. Uh, and then taking a look at those numbers, like how was my income this month? How mm-hmm. were my expenses this month? You know, and because doing the monthly bookkeeping just so that you're ready to turn the stuff in for taxes at the end of the year serves one purpose and it's an important right. one because it saves a lot of time and stress and headache. And there's important information that your business is trying to communicate with you through Mm -hmm. those numbers. It's like, oh, what happened here that income went down so much? Or what happened that income went up so much? What Mm -hmm. do I want to try to replicate? Um, And looking at, you may look at your expenses as a whole, like, wow, I spent X amount of dollars last month. And the month before that, it was um, 50% higher or lower. You know, looking at 
where are you investing? I, one of my clients, I'm, I see what she invests in her staff mm -hmm. because I see all of her transactions. Um, and I can tell through those transactions that I see this person really values the people that she mm -hmm. has working with her. And this is, these are some of the ways that she shows that. Mm -hmm. And so your numbers can start to tell a story about your business and what you value. Mm -hmm. And, and if we're not spending time exploring those numbers and that meaning, I think we're missing out on yeah. the stories that our businesses want to tell. Mm. That I've never thought about it in those terms before mm -hmm. Michael. So that. I'm going to just sit with that for a little while and, um, mm -hmm. and digest that. Cause that's definitely going to bring a new perspective to when I sit down and look at my numbers, um, yeah. more of the narrative piece about what's going on too. Right. And, and so this, and I love that you just said like that narrative piece, because this is where the talents and skills and natural abilities of therapists can start to meet and integrate with those numbers. Mm. Because you all know storytelling, mm -hmm. you know, this is how I frame and my identity. This is how I make meaning. And so if we can start to look at the numbers mm -hmm. that way, it's, it's this whole other, it just really starts to integrate things. Mm -hmm. and this whole other perspective. And, and then you can meet those numbers with more appreciation yeah. rather than this irritation of like something that has to be done. That's, it's not really part of my, my therapy practice. Well, mm -hmm. it is, mm -hmm. you know, it's a direct reflection of what you choose to invest in mm -hmm. financially yeah. anyway. Yeah. I think one of the things that um, is helpful to me is there's always so many different competing um, competing expenses. Um, what I mean by that is like, well, we all have to have a phone service and we all probably have to have a fax and we might need to have a website um, host for those of us that have a website, hopefully everybody does, but they're like all of those things where we could be looking at our numbers and saying, Hmm, like, I wonder I'm spending a lot in that area. Is there another program out there now uh, that didn't exist when I first did my research? Can I look and see and make some adjustments in my expenses? Or is there a product that I can purchase and that by purchasing that, it's like multiplicitous in how it serves my business mm -hmm. and I can reduce some of the, the expenses where I'm using um, one-off products or services? Mm -hmm. um, and that for me is really helpful in, in having the, the practice of looking at the numbers every month, because you can yes. start to see the trends in where your money is going. And you realize like, oh man, I'm really kind of spending a lot of money on my phone. Mm -hmm. And maybe there's something I can do about that. Well, and to, to speak to that, 
I have, there are two suggestions. Number one, I don't know which order. Number one, if you decide that you want to outsource your bookkeeping, mm -hmm. I would absolutely recommend finding a bookkeeper who specializes in serving people in your industry because what that allows. And so I have three private practice owner clients right now. So it's not a huge number. And what I'm able to do is I, I'm starting to see, oh, this person uses this vendor. This person uses this vendor. All three of them use this vendor. And I can start to see, so one person or one practice starting to have an, of an eye into the expenses of all these similar businesses. Ah. And, and I know there are other, so I, I'm not the only person who specializes in working with helping professionals. There are mm -hmm. lots of other folks out there. And that's a real benefit of going to somebody who knows your business inside and out because they, they will be able to say, and I, I'll be developing this as I go, but they'll be able to say, oh, wow, I know so-and-so uses this phone service and it's much less expensive, you might want to check it out, mm -hmm. you know, or three of my other clients use XYZ. So that's huge. This is something else I'm going to put out there. And I know that money can be so taboo to talk about, and it can already mm -hmm. bring up, you know, there are folks who are already sweating and like, oh, cringing, thinking about looking at their own numbers privately by themselves. So the idea of sharing that a with an outsourced bookkeeper might not feel too bad because you know we see a lot of stuff and we see a lot of messes and we help people clean them up and we can be caring and loving as we do it but i think it would be a great idea if more therapists and private practice were connecting with each other and straight up talking about this stuff mm -hmm. you know like to have a mastermind of you know, three or four other therapists who practice in a similar way as you do, how much are you paying for simple practice? Right. What do you, what do you use for your phone and how much are you paying for it? Mm -hmm. You know, I think a lot of times we'll, we'll stop before that, that touchy money question comes up. Oh yeah. Yeah. You know, like some therapists don't even like to tell you how much they charge or, or there, some are afraid to ask other therapists yeah. how much they charge. And um, again, so you want to make sure if you decide to connect with some therapists and, and open up this type of dialogue, you want to make sure that it's a safe space that you're really trusting of one another. Um, because it is, it's sensitive, but I feel like there could be a lot of benefit mm -hmm. and, and a lot less, you know, chasing things down. Like you're saying, does everybody have to do all the research on which phone right. service to use? <laughs> yeah. Um, and especially cause you want to know about features, but like, oh, well I use this, but I also got this special discount. Like, mm -hmm. you know, like, well, what about the special discount? So I just think that that could be a good idea to you know, be talking more with each other. And again, in a safe way um, about money and about businesses, you know, about mm -hmm. your businesses and what, what's working financially and what isn't. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think that would be um, really positive, uh, like a positive experience for folks. One, you know, more, 
more brains are better than one, yes. right? You're, you're like connecting with resources. Some people have done the research on this. You might have done the research on this over here and, and you can share in that knowledge and, um, and improve the health and wealth of your business, um, through those right. connections. Um, so yeah, those are great tips yeah. for folks folks that are, who, who've never used a bookkeeper, but are considering it, what are one or two questions that you feel would be really helpful in helping them to identify the right bookkeeper for them? I think one thing is asking this potential bookkeeper, um, what the relationship might be like, mm. you know, I have a client who is changing bookkeepers and is coming to work with me and she never received financial statements from the bookkeeper. She didn't from the, the past bookkeeper. She didn't um, have communication. Like I, I, I have faith that the bookkeeper was doing a great job, but there wasn't um, a sense of kind of continuity and, and communication. So, you know, how often does, do you and the bookkeeper meet, you know, how involved, like how much communication is there, or is it kind of a hands-off thing where they do, they just, they take care of everything and they may ask you some questions about like, where should this be categorized, but there's not a lot of relationship. Mm. Um, let me think. Now that's a really if good there's one. There's another main yeah, I think too, you know, asking, because there can sometimes be some question marks, you know, when we're, we're um, starting to learn about the financial realm, there can be some question marks of like, wait, what's bookkeeping and what's tax preparation? So getting really specific about what services do they provide? Mm -hmm. So does this bookkeeper... Um, do like, do they produce 1099s, which if you work with um, contractors mm -hmm. and you pay over $600, you have to issue a 1099 at the end of the year. Do they, do they do that? Or would you need to find someone else to do that or do it on your own? Um, do they assist with payroll? Do they run payroll? Mm -hmm. um, you know, do they, if you have employees or, and, and this is also, if you're looking to grow, mm -hmm. um, it's really important to have a sense of what you're going to do about payroll. And so, you know, is this someone who's well-versed in that and, and might be able to um, assist in that area? Are they kind of hands-off? Um, do they do tax preparation? And, or if they don't do tax preparation, are they able to answer general questions about taxes that mm -hmm. may come up? Because, you know, people often have questions about you know, how much should I be paying in estimates each quarter for my personal mm -hmm. income taxes? And that's usually not a question that I field for my clients. I usually right. say that's best to go over that with your tax accountant because they have the full picture of yeah. not only your business, but also your household. You know, you may have mm -hmm. dependents and a spouse who also has income and, you know, all the yeah. things. So those are a couple questions. The, that's perfect. I think that's super helpful. Yeah. So what are the services that you provide in your bookkeeping um, practice? So I do general bookkeeping, as we've mm -hmm. talked about 
the coding of transactions, the bank reconciliations, the production of financial statements. I meet with clients either monthly or quarterly, just kind of depending on what their needs are. I may mm -hmm. be changing that to um, standardize it at some point in the future, but for right now, it's just sort of um, as needed. Mm -hmm. um, I do offer a QuickBooks setup. So, you know, mm -hmm. helping people to get started and then, um, you know, a couple of meetings to help do a little bit of training, but that's if you feel already fairly comfortable. <laughs> um, and then uh, I don't do, as I've said, I don't do any tax preparation. I do offer payroll support. So if people okay. use payroll through Gusto is a really mm -hmm. popular online. Um, I've done their um, yep. certified people advisor program. Um, I also support two clients through uh, like the QuickBooks self-service payroll. Mm -hmm. So I don't do the payroll calculations on my own. I don't file the tax returns um, that are necessary for payroll, but I do support, I can run payroll, you know, I can enter the hours, gotcha. the, the amounts, um, as long as there's some other system or mm -hmm. service um, in there. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. And so where can listeners find more about you and the work that you're doing? My website, which right now is a, um, will be a one page, very simple website. And then eventually, um, graduating into a bigger website in the future. It is mspencerbooks.com. Perfect. And there will be, you know, my email address on their, uh, mm -hmm. phone number, and then also a link to schedule a free consultation. Oh, wonderful. Wonderful. Yeah. Well, I am so grateful for your time and your wisdom and our conversation today. And thank you so much, Michael. Yeah, thank you, Raina. It was really great to be here. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Creative Psychotherapist. If you like what you heard, please rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. For show notes, downloads, and additional resources, head over to the website at www.creativeclinicianscorner.com.